听 Grandeur YYFM. You're listening to YYFM. Steve Johnson from Keep Cardiff Live spoke to Derek Brazil, an Irish farmer, professional footballer. Derek shared some interesting stories, including Man United, Fergie, and off-the-pitch tales. Welcome, Derek Brazil. Thank you, Derek, very much for、uh, giving us some time today. Talk me through the early days of when you first got into sort of you know you had your big break. It must have been, it must have been absolutely your dream, I guess, to to play for for Man United. Tell me about those early days and you sort of、uh, were you successful as a kind of a youngster at school? Were you playing for you know the Irish youth team? How did it work for you? Well, I I, I mean I, I was I started really getting involved in competitive sport at the age of ten, which is quite late. But I was playing Gaelic football. I played that for about three years, and like my dad had been a massive football supporter for years. Went to Blackburn as a seventeen, eighteen-year-old for a month's trial. They wanted to sign him, but he came back because he missed me, ma. He missed so much that I was born. <laughs> you know, it was something that he was really keen for me to do to play football. So I signed for a team called Belvedere at the age of fourteen, centre forward, and believe it or not, scored twenty-nine goals that season. Whoa. I know. What position were you playing? You were obviously the out and out striker, be? Centre forward.、Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I mean, but I wasn't happy. I didn't、mm. feel comfortable with my back to their goal type of thing. I, I prefer when I played Gaelic football. I played as a defender, so I could see the whole pitch, and I could I could make more decisions, and and I, you know, was pretty good at it. And decided I wanted to leave Belvedere after that first season, and I went to my local club because I wanted to play centre half. Okay. Even though、yeah. you scored twenty nine goals the previous season,、yeah. but funny enough, our first game against Belvedere in the league for my team、mm. at the time was Rivermount Boys. Yeah, and I played centre half and scored a hat trick. Did you against、oh. my old team? Yeah. Wow, going so, up for the corners was it? No, no. One was a free kick. One was a header, and、mm. um, I can't remember the other one. We did well to remember two of them. Yeah. So I mean, that was under fifteen. I got I got picked from the fifteen Ireland schoolboys, and then went to West Ham for a month's trial. They said go back and get a job. You're not good enough. That was in the December,、uh, and that was when Paul Ince was there. I was in the same youth team as him. And then within three months,、uh, I played for Ireland under 18. And、um, you know, Tottenham, Chelsea, Man City, and Man United wanted me to sign. They didn't want me to go on trial. They want me to sign. So and how old we were you then again? Sorry, 17. And so was you? I know you. I know you're very close to, you, to your dad. So、uh, was your dad involved in sort of helping you to make this decision? Not so much. I mean, I I I'd been to Chelsea、uh, for a week, and they said they wanted to sign me. I was going to sign for Chelsea, but then Tottenham, Man City, and Man United said, "Look, we want you to sign. Before you decide to sign for Chelsea, come and see us. Spend a weekend at each place." So we spent a weekend at Tottenham, weekend at、uh, Man City, and a weekend at Man United, which was great because they looked after me. My dad put them up in a hotel. My dad was buying everybody drinks. He was he must have spent about a grand on the bar bill for people in in each one, so he、yeah. took full advantage. But um, he's always been a Man United supporter, so I think he was probably leaning more towards that. And Man United were the last club where I actually went to. So yeah, it was you know from and it's weird. I, I teach kids football now, and you know I I didn't really start playing properly till I was you know under fourteens, and and within three years I'd, I'd signed for Manchester United. You need a lot of luck. You need to be disciplined. And you need to be in the right place at the right time. Was it Dub- Dublin? Is that where you grew up? Yeah, Dublin, English.、Yeah. So in a、um, sort of across all of Ireland, really, I've always got the impression that the clubs from the kind of northwest, I suppose, 
in the UK, you know, particularly Liverpool and Man United. They're the, they're the big two clubs that, that people tend to follow as youngsters. Is, is that right? When you were in school, was that the case? Well, it's Man United, Liverpool or Arsenal. Well, I, I liked Arsenal when I was a young kid. Lots of I mean, Irish players then as well, didn't they? Yeah, they had the likes yeah. of Lee Brady, Stapleton, yeah. hmm. uh, Dave O'Leary, you know, so I was... And they were the big names Pat in Ireland. But Pat Jennings was Northern Ireland. So. Oh, Northern Ireland. Sorry, sorry to insult you. <laughs> so, you know, I, was, I, I liked them because of that. And, um, but when I went to Man United, the day I went there, you know, the likes of Paul McGrath and Norman Whiteside and Frank Stapleton. I mean, Frank Stapleton, I, I, I marked him in a game that day. I just, Ron Atkinson asked me to play in a game that day. And um, he, uh, I mean, Frank Stapleton was on my wall. As as, a, as an Arsenal supporter, I had pictures of him uh, purely because of the Irish Arsenal link. And um, hmm. recently, I would say about six months ago, I played I played a few times with Frank now, and I've roomed with him. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation with him once, and this was about must have been about oh, six seven years ago. We had a game in the night, and, and and I was rooming with Frank, so I was in with Frank, and I was sat there, and I said, Frank, you know what's weird? He goes, we're having a little sleep in the afternoon, so we're in single bed sleeping. I said, you know what's weird, Frank? He says, what? I said, I had pictures of you growing up on my wall in your Arsenal kit and in your Ireland kit. I said, how mad it is all these years ago I'm in the same room as you. I need to phone me that because I think this is funny. So I phoned me that and Frank was mocking as usual about, uh, oh, we need to get sleep, we need to get sleep. So I said, just, so I said, Dad, you'll never believe this. I said, guess who I'm rooming with? He said, who? I said, Frank Stapleton. He said, I'll oh, put him on the phone. So my dad spent 45 minutes on the phone. Whoa. I fell asleep, yeah. which Frank wasn't happy about. And then... Uh, <laughs> you had a happy, kip while he so. told you your dad. Brilliant. Talk to me, dad. So I fell asleep. Yeah. So Frank never got yeah. any sleep at all. So, <laughs> yeah. So signing for Man United was, um, was a big influence there. But I just felt it was the right thing to do, Steve, you know? Yeah. And no regrets on that. Sometimes you have regrets on it. But maybe if I'd have gone to Man City or Chelsea, I would have played, got into the first team a, bit, a lot quicker and probably played a lot more games. But... In terms of the six years I was at Man United, um, the grounding, the experience, the managers I played under, you know, they, they held me in good stead. And by joining Manchester United, I don't know can you see the picture on my screen at the moment? Can you see yourself? I can, I can see, yes, Sir Alex. Yeah? So, I mean, that's a lovely picture. I know, I know you're very proud of that picture and uh, also uh, proud of the time, you know, you, you spent with Alex Ferguson. From So, I mean, this is almost an... Very well, I'm pretty difficult question for you to answer, I suppose, because there's so much you could say. Alex Ferguson, what are we going to say about him as, as, a, as a manager and as a man? Well, he was very scary when he came in, because when Ron Atkinson was a manager, I signed for Ron in, in March um, 86. And in November, Ferguson came in and he changed everything. You know, it, it was a much more disciplined club, gone from everyone had blazers and everyone had, had proper haircuts. You couldn't go out as much. Because he knew everybody, but he was a scary man. Was he but, Was he more old school than Ron Atkinson in that way then? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ron was very easy go, easy go, whereas Ferguson was push, push, push all the time. And he was really, really hard on... I mean, I was 18 then, and yes. I spent the next five years with him. And he, he was he was a tough, tough man, but you don't you, you take it for granted and you kind of think he's picking on you <clears throat> when you're there. But he was obviously doing it for the, for the right reasons. He's a hell of a man, to be honest. Hell of a man. Do you like him, though? I went through sp stages of my career with him, annoyed with him, because... Because you were on the fringe, I suppose, trying to break through, trying to get a game? Yeah. But, such I a mean, great club, you know? Oh, I mean, it was, it was so difficult to break through. I mean, I'd be, I mean, you had Bruce and Pallister, who were, the, the, were there for 10 years as centre-half, so 
he Ferguson gave me my break at, at right you know right back so yeah. you know against Millwall against Everton and he brought me along as unused sub at Newcastle Queens Park Rangers and it's it's hard to put him into into to words because his longevity there speaks volumes from the amount of players he's gone through and and that picture behind you, that was when I met him at Cardiff City when Man United were playing Cardiff City in the Prem. Yeah. I hadn't seen him in 15 years. And he, he asked me outright, he said, how's Mick and Evelyn? You know, how, how's, is your dad still taxiing? Yeah, well, that's a sign of a nice, that's a sign of a good good man, I think. Well, it is, but obviously it means he's done his homework on people, you know, from the top. The likes of Steve Bruce and Robson, he knew everything about them. But to know everything about us on the fringes, you know, and I mean everything. He knew, he had, Spies and pubs everywhere. He knew when you'd gone out. <laughs> oh, he, the amount of people he must have sorted out to say, right, these are all the regular pubs. You tell me which players have come in and what days. And we were caught out a few times. Very clever man. I'm guessing Sir Alex must have been the man who maybe was the guy who must have sat down with you one day and said, Derek, you, you're moving on, uh, I suppose. How, how was that handled? Well, initially he sent me to Oldham on loan for a month with Joe Royal, which was, was you know, that was an experience as well with Oldham and and they were flying at the time, Oldham. And it was difficult to get in their team. So when I came back, he sent me to Swansea. Oh, come on. I know. Oh, well, come on. To... Come on, Alex. You know, enough is enough, man. Come on. But the funny thing about this is he sent me to Swansea and Frank Burroughs was the manager. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jimmy Gillingham was there. Yeah. Uh, Andy Legg was there. Jason yeah, Bob. of course. So I was there for three months and basically Fergie wanted 250 grand, which was a lot of money in them days. And, and you know, thankfully, Swansea couldn't afford it. So they were obviously struggling for money then. Yeah. So, uh, so I came back, came back to United, uh, spent another year. He offered me a two-year contract. And then, you know, he said, look, Eddie May's been on the phone. He's seen you at Swansea. Can you go there for, you know, a month's loan? So that's how that came about. So I just agreed to it and said, yeah, okay, I'll go. Because you were, by that stage, familiar with, I suppose, South Wales. and Yeah, I mean, yeah. when I was at Swansea, I couldn't play in one of the games. Uh, mm. And it was against Cardiff. I think it was in one of the Cups. And the atmosphere, this was at the Vetch, and the atmosphere was unreal. I mean, totally unreal. And I'm talking about the Cardiff fans that were there. And I was stuck out in my mind then watching the game. I thought, wow. So it didn't really bother me going, when I went back to... Um, Cardiff, you know, a year, probably two years after. You know, I didn't realise the, the intensity. Even though I'd watched that game, I didn't realise the intensity and the hatred that there was. I've watched kind of reserve games, you know, and lower level matches, and it's always Cardiff Swansea. It's, it's always halfway there, you know. It's always a little bit of that there, you know. And like you say, people like Andy Legg and Jason Bowen, those kind of players, particularly Andy Legg, I suppose, who went between those two different clubs, who were the absolute figure of hate for the Cardiff fans, yeah, and then became a real person of folklore for Cardiff City. Amazing. Yeah, but really. I think the difference with someone like Leggy is that I still Leg. I think Leggy is still revered by the Swansea fans. You know, there's that mixture of Cardiff fans love him, Swansea fans love him. The Swansea fans don't love me. I I went back there in one of my first games for Cardiff, yeah. and we were warming up across the pitch, as you do, just run across. And when I got to the I can't remember what that is. Is it a North Bank or something? Yeah, Vetch. yeah, yeah, yeah. This bloke started giving me loads of grief, loads of grief. This bloke in the crowd, and I just, I just, I picked up the Cardiff badge, kissed it, <laughs> went across the other side, came back again to do some stretches, and this bloke had a, he had a Bowie knife, and, oh, and he literally was holding it to his neck. Mm. Pointing at me, I jogged over the far side. Told Eddie first. Told a steward. A steward told me to f off. So Eddie then spoke to one of the police there, and he wasn't helpful either. So the, the, I think we won the game as well. But I tell you what, taking throw-ins on the far side 
to give away three or four throw-ins. Like, like there must have been foul throws because I was I kept hearing this this abuse. So, Whoa. yeah, no, but the right decision was to sign Cardi. So uh, you mentioned Eddie May, of course. Um, I'm, I've got some pictures here of various bits and bobs to do with Cardiff City, and you know Eddie May. I always loved. I was something about Eddie May. Again, another uh, quite a frightening character, I would imagine, quite intimidating character. Something about Eddie May, I just always loved and respected as a man, and he's probably one of my favourite Cardiff City kind of managers, really. And I know you had some great days under Eddie. How did he establish himself with you when you first signed for the club? I guess they have to say to you, look, this is the relationship we're going to have as a manager. Well, that's the first day I got to Cardiff, I came there on the train. And um, I went to the ground, and met Eddie, and he took me into the middle of the pitch. And, you know, it was obviously no one there. And uh, the surface was, was excellent. And then he, I remember him saying to me, um, he said, I know you've been at Swansea, but listen, the Cardiff fans won't bother about that. He said, you, you, you signed for us. You love it here. I'm looking for somebody to play centre-back. He said, I know you can play in different positions. He said, but defender, obviously, I'm looking at. He said, you're here for a month. Let's see how it goes. And I remember looking up at him. Because he was he was huge, I remember looking up and his chest sticking out. Everything that he was saying to me, obviously I forget a lot of what he said to me that day, but everything that he said to me was was positive. But then he just he just made me feel that I felt wanted for a start. So you know, I kind of it kicked on from there. I think I was only two weeks into my loan period, and then I think I signed. Who did you replace, Derek? Who did you, who did you come in for? Oh, Big John, I think it was. Remember Big John, centre back? Not Big John Williams, no. John Williams, yeah. Yeah. But John okay. was there. John yeah. was there when I was in there. But obviously, when I went in, I played centre-half alongside Jason Perry. Um, Lee Badley sometimes. But it was mostly Jason Perry at the start. Can you see the picture behind oh. me now? Look at those two. Hang on, I move out the way. Look at these two handsome boys, people. Whoa! Anyway, you wouldn't hey. want to go against them two, would you? <laughs> uh, both of you very That's young in those hairstyle. Yeah, I know, yeah. Hey. It's, a it's a pretty good hairstyle. I say you still got a pretty, you still got a pretty good hairstyle. I don't think I've had any facial hair there, have I? No. Probably what were not. you then? Are you early, early twenties? I was probably eighteen, nine, well, no, sorry, I would have been twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. If I said the words to you over a pint in a pub, Jason Perry, what would you say to me? Great lad, because he's, he's Cardiff City through and through. He's, I remember getting there and seeing him, and he was only. He was a skinny little boy, you know, and he never had no weight on him, no muscle. He'd pump, he'd pump stuff in the in the gym, but it would make any difference. But what Jason got him through was was his heart, you know. Yeah. He himself yeah. into every tackle. He was a re he's a leader, you know, and I think he's one of those players that Cardiff City fans appreciated because he, he was a whisper of a boy, but he was a proper man. I tell you, he, he gets stuck in and he, he he'd frighten a few people. He he would turn rough people up a little bit, and um, any bad tackle he make was always late. It was. It wasn't, you know. There was a joke going around at the time, I seem to remember, um, uh, that uh, Jason was never afraid to go in where it hurts someone else. That's true, yeah. He was the same training. He was wholehearted. He was always last pick for five side because obviously there's a little bit of quality in there. I, so, I imagine you must have been one of the first, Derek. I, to be honest, I, I can't really remember. Our five sides were great because we used to have the rest of the world versus the Welsh boys. So we had the likes of me, Paul Ramsey, who I could never understand when he was telling us what to do. Yeah. Paul Miller, Nicky Richardson, Stanty, if he was there. Great squad, wasn't it? Nice squad. Oh, was, and you know what, Steve? I think if you look at the today's squads, what, the 24? You know, you look at the Cardiff City match day programme, there's 24 names, maybe 25. We got through that season with about 15 players. Yeah. You, I mean, that, that is, that's some doing. Obviously, you're recognising a few characters in the background there, yeah? Yeah, really, Pikey. Anybody, anybody... Yeah. Uh, Damon Sill. Do you know what? That looks like a night out picture. 
the same group of lads who would go out. I mean, you you were a very close, very close bunch. Maybe, as you said, the fact that you had such a small squad maybe maybe kind of uh, kind of helped with that. You know, can you name a few of those? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at the keepers for a start. I mean, three quality keepers there. I mean, you've got you know Mark Rue, you've got Steve Williams, who went on to have a really good career in Ireland, and obviously you've got Gav. But then you yes. look at the lads in there as well, like. The, you know, the likes of Blakey, you know, Tony Bird came in, did his bit as well. And Tony Bird went on to have a good career as well. And, and Cohen Griffith, a lot of my career, Cohen was in front of me. So, uh, he was a good get out clause for you, I guess. Wasn't oh, he? He we used to call him the spider. He would he would double back and help me out. So sometimes there'd be two. If I was playing right back, there'd be two of us on this one and he'd wrap his legs around before the person got to me. There wasn't so much overlapping from me to help him. But when I did, I... I, I Created a couple of goals from that. You always look kind of quite, kind of gangly and awkward, you know, uh, Cohen. But, but a very effective player. I mean, the lads loved him. Cohen never tried anything outrageous, you know. Blakey mm. could try something outrageous, and and seven times out of ten, it'd come off and he'd look great. The other three times, it wouldn't. But you know, if he tried it again, it would. Whereas Cohen was up and down. You know, keep possession. He could play centre forward as well, which he did at Shrewsbury away. I mean, that, that squad. I mean, you like the likes of Lee Bad- Badley coming in as well. You know, there's a lovely lad, Lee Badley. Oh, he's a great lad. I can still keep in touch with Lee. Great lad, and you know, we, I think he went on to Exeter after that. And um, he's a groundsman. He's got a golf course now, doesn't he? Sorry, Derek. I believe I think, he does. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a few people there gone into that, like Lee Jarman and stuff. Look at Nathan there. He just sitting there, he looks like he's king of the world, doesn't he? What I loved about Nathan, he believed in everything he did. Everything. Whether it was singing, football, he thought he was the best at it. Yes. And pure confidence. And um, I think, I mean, he was, don't get me wrong, he's a very talented player. But if he didn't have that confidence, I don't think he would have gone on to do what he did in his career. You know, yeah. And you're standing right next to Stanty, of course. So, um, Stantana. Um, he's a... Seems a bit of a kind of a mystery figure, really, since you know, since then. I never hear anything about him. What, what happened to him? Do you know when Stanty came in because he came in during the season and uh, he immediately hit it off the boys. The boys who respected him and what, he, what he'd done previous career, you know, in the army, yeah. but he wasn't, he'd, he'd never come out for drinks with us. He, he would, I think, the, the, the club gave him something like five grand to relocate. He bought a hundred quid caravan down, um, <laughs> down um, the captain's wife and lived there. 4,900 better off. Well done, Stanty. He looks he, a bit detached there, Derek. He looks like he's in his own world, you know? He was a lot of the time. I think, if I can remember rightly, on match days, he kind of went into a little bit of a zone. I think everybody does, but with Stanty, he would. He just loved scoring goals and celebrating, and, and he scored some great goals for us as well. And um, you knew that, you know, if you, if you pass the ball up to him, then it, it, it would stick. If it didn't stick, he'd blame you. Very clever man, Stanty, and uh, he, he had a good career at the club, and, and he went on and played... You know, for a lot of, I think you brought a book out as well. We will come away from this picture in a second, but there's so much value in this picture because uh, Carl Dale, just behind my shoulder there, sitting next to Surly. I mean, Carl Dale, I, I, I always had the impression with Carl he could have operated at a higher level, you know. He could, Carl. I mean, Carl was, was so deceptive. And, you know, he's, if you look at the size of Carl, he's, he's, he could just spin off people, good finisher, great lad. Uh, I think he had a couple of injuries as well towards the end of his career. Yeah, he so did, yeah. stopped him. You know, mm. but a nightmare to go out on on the town with. Yes, yeah. Um, he became, he's an electrician now, isn't he? I think that's right. He is, yeah, yeah. He's doing really well himself. You know, I'm, really well. I mean, looking at these pictures again now, you can see. I mean, there's Paul Miller there, of course. Uh, he's got a ridiculous goal once, and and Pikey again, a very underrated player, just just behind him. Uh, in the picture before, I noticed that Jason was sitting next to Wiggy, and it, and Jason had a, a belt of a black eye. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that was a rare occurrence, really. No, I used to get some of the boys. I mean, many a time in training, 
Eddie used to set our training up to be so competitive. And the amount of black eyes, there was loads of scrubs. But they were all sorted out. It was never festering. If it did go too far, Eddie would have both of you in the in the in his office. And trust me, you don't want that. You know, he, he would have taken the two, two of you on. Eddie was everything. Eddie was, you know. Because Eddie was a centre half in his day as well, wasn't he? Oh, and a very good one as well. I mean, yeah. you know, he had that gift of scaring you, giving you confidence, of just being there for you. And, and, and you know, whether it was family issues or personal issues or professional issues, he was always there for you. Eddie was so similar to Cardiff City fans. He got them. He was a man of the people. And he got what they wanted, what they felt and what they expected from the players. And Eddie was one of those people that Cardiff City fans you know, could associate with. I think you've captured it right there. That's probably why I felt so so kind of uh, connected. Well, I bet when you met him, you felt like he, he was your manager type thing. People I've spoke to in the past who have met Eddie outside of football, he has this presence this, about him, you know, and very few managers have that. You mentioned Fergie, Frank Burrows had it, Eddie May had it. Certain managers have that thing of making you feel every emotion. I think that's why Cardiff, Cardiff City fans have always adhered to Eddie, you know? Yeah, he's he's one of the favourites, you know. Uh, I think one one time I went away to watch City. We were playing Northampton um, on a Boxing Day. It must have been Boxing Day. It was either Boxing Day or New Year's Day. We got absolutely battered. We, we were freezing cold. The match was nearly cold off because of snow. I think we lost 4-0, something like that. And at halftime, I started to chant, Eddie, 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 me. And this was like years after all the City fans are straight in there, you know. <laughs> you might as well chant for Eddie. I, 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 to be honest, because I work down there now, and mm. when you hear the fans sing that now, I mean, that's yeah. a great testament to Eddie, isn't it? You yes, know? it is. He had, a, he had an emotional connection, I think, with, 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 uh, yeah. with, with the City fans. Which Because he lived so centrally. I mean, he lived on Cathedral Road. You know, his yes. local was Beverly. Yes. You know, we'd go into town. He, he, would, he would make himself available to all and sundry. This is my favourite picture of you. God, look at that. Now, that's captured the moment, though. That's beautiful, wasn't it? Wasn't that a great day? That, I mean, I, lo I love that picture. I showed that to my daughter, Ava, and she just laughs at it. <laughs> and she did ask me, like, why? Mm. I mean, you look at Sally's hair. Yes. Sally's got like a squirrel. Bit of an Elvis thing going on there, you know. I, I don't know what that is. Obviously, that was the Shrewsbury game at home. And then in the, the build up to that during the week, all the boys had said, look, let's, let's go mad. Let's all have a skin in. So I went, yeah, I'll do it. I was the only one to do it. So oh, I don't know what, like, whether they were playing a trick or anything. Yeah. So I got one on the Friday. And then that, that was, <laughs> it was just, God. No, that was the day. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. That was the day that uh, I was playing in midfield that day. And I think Kevin Ratcliffe was playing centre-back at the time of day. And they had a couple of headers and a couple of shots from outside the box. And I hadn't scored that season. And I went down the wing, dropped the yeah. shoulder, crossed it for Blakey to score. And uh, that's when the fans all came on. That's when we had the horses on the pitch. Eddie had to come out with the microphone. That was that, was that day. That was the day we got promotion. Obviously, the following week, we had to go to Scunthorpe to, to win yeah. to win the championship. So, Greg, because I wanted to talk to you about that a bit as well. I mean, because my, my memories of that season, that picture, I love that picture. But uh, there was also the Wrexham, the Wrexham game, of course, when we went up there and did them, uh, in which uh, you, you played a key role in that, which was a great day out as well. Mm. And then, of course, coming on to the Scunthorpe thing, which Nathan still talks about to this day. He says he, he remembers going down towards the ground on the bus and looking back and just see bus after bus after bus after bus. Mm. City fans, we, when we took over Scunthorpe for the day, you know. I remember actually going up on the bus that day because there was coaches going past and then they were slowing down so we could pass them. So it was just, it was yeah. so you could see us again and wait again. Spirit. And the atmosphere, because I don't think Scunthorpe had anything going on that game. And when we went out to warm up, I remember looking behind both sets of goals and our fans were behind both sets of goals. I've never seen it before. 
pretty well all around the ground, actually. Because I, I know, I think... but, I did, but when you, imagine if you you got you know you've got a corner down that end, and you've got your supporters there, and then you're defending a corner down this end, and you've got your supporters there. It's, it was just so bizarre. Yeah. And I remember Cohen played, and I think Cohen scored two in that game, didn't he? He did. And he played as a centre forward that day, and then hmm. it just shows you what Cohen was all about. But I remember towards the end of the game, people knew what was left, and everybody was like, the whole twenty-two players were kind of leaning towards where the tunnel was waiting for the referee to blow the whistle because you knew everybody was going to run on. So everyone was like leaning over and moving, moving, moving over there. Yeah. It was just bedlam again. It was. But you, you talked fantastic. about it was my favorite ever. One of my favorite ever days out as a city fan. But I, I remember um, we said about the Shrewsbury game and the horses. If you remember at the Scunthorpe game, there were pantomime horses. <laughs> there was everything. Yeah. There was yeah. Elvis pantomime. There was sheiks. There was clowns. There was it was it was such a colorful day. And yeah. I think someone put it on um, one of the Facebook pages to the day. And I hadn't seen it for a while, and, and I ended. Up, I think it was like thirty-five minutes of the game, and then and watching the fans and watching that, it was just amazing, amazing times. And I remember at the end, Rick Wright. I think I think I'm right. We went into the away kind of uh, chairman's area, and I said, "Thank you, more or less, thank you for lending us your ground." You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, Rick was a character himself, wasn't he? Um, yeah. What's your biggest memory of Rick Wright? I remember meeting him. The first, probably the first week I'd been down there, straight away we we nicked, nicknamed him Reg Holdsworth. Yeah, of course. He looked yeah. Like you yeah. know, so. Yeah. But he was he, he always come down. He was bubbly. At the times I met him, he was bubbly with the players. You know, he invested a lot of money in there, bringing players in. But then he wanted someone to take over from from him, someone local. You know, someone with a. Yeah. And that never happened, and I think no. because that never happened, he kind of I wouldn't say he soured his relationship with the Cardiff City fans, but he wanted out. You know, he sold Blakey, he sold Stan, he sold players, and it was, and yeah, and there was a succession of people trying to take over from him, whether you know, board level mm. or managers. You know, if if I look at my four years as a player at Cardiff City, the first two years were brilliant from everything. The second two years, you had the likes of Phil Neal in there as manager. You you had Terry Orr there as a spell. You know, you had Kenny Hibbert with Phil Neal. You had the Kumars. You had. Uh, there was there was other people trying to take the club over. Jim Cadman, I think, was involved. Yeah, Jim, uh, Jim Caldwell, was it? Was Cadman. It Jim Cadman and Bill Caldwell. Okay, yeah, yeah. There was a succession of them, and it, it, you know, Eddie came out, was sacked, then he came back in. So it was it was a topsy-turvy type of thing. And I think Rick, you know, because he didn't have anyone, he wanted someone local with a bit of backing yeah. to come and, and take over from him, and that never happened. I mean, at the time, I remember as a fan... Um, Obviously disappointed that he that he was going to do that, but to his credit, he never made it any secret, did he? You know that was kind of the plan no. that this was going to happen. You know, so I mean, I, I think him selling Blakey, of my memory serves right. Did he sell a Blakey before we played Luton? No, uh, yes, yes, he had. Yes, because he couldn't play in that game, could he? Yeah, in fact, he sat next to me for that game. I, I was with him in the in the old dugout at Ninian. Yeah, I mean, so not the dugout. Who knows if Blakey had that day? You know, yeah. who knows if it, what would have happened? Yeah, but, that's true. I think that was kind of the start of, of yeah. Rick's ambitions around that time. Well, of course, the preceding game, because I, I was, I was at, as you know, because I was at Red Dragon uh, FM in those days, I remember you coming knocking on, coming around, coming around the side entrance one time and cheekily uh, get yourself in the building once or twice. I also remember Nathan coming in uh, when he came in and he had those like, like shiny white shoes, like those kind of dancing spats he used to wear. He was checking <laughs> the football with them. It's still, still amazing with that, you know. But, oh, I uh, love those days. When yeah, they were great track. days. I love those days too. Used to let me um, play my own songs and stuff. I can't remember what they were. Yeah, I used to play songs for you and stuff, didn't I? Yeah. 
I think uh, I did a couple of requests for you on the radio and stuff. You know, I remember ringing up and ringing a, a shower radio. Yeah, okay. I rang up one day in the morning. I rang out at the end of winning the shower radio. That was really good days. They never, you know, proper crisis then. Like, yeah. I don't think I got it, though. Well, it's too late now, I'm afraid. Um, I actually remember another night where it was the Player of the Year Award. And I think it was up at the old electricity club in Pont Cana. I remember I think it. You, I think it was you said, oh, uh, can you catch the lift home, I think. And I ended up with you. Nicky Richardson, um, I think Surly might have been in there. I think a few beers had been consumed. And I was dropping the lads off in town. And, and then I ended up, because I was with Stevie Seabright, who you might remember, and we, and we came back to your place, and all of a sudden the Irish trickler came out and it was all kicking off, you know? You've got a good memory. I don't remember that. I'm not surprised. Those nights were great, the uh, Player of the Year awards, because yeah. they were, you know, you with the fans and everything, and it was, it was, it was fantastic. Really. Different so, days, Derek. You know, it just won't, doesn't happen like that now, does it? Really, in the same way, really. The connection with the fans and the players, it's slightly detached now, isn't it? I don't think, I don't think you could have the same as what we had, because, as I said earlier, we could work with a group of lads, you know, into town. And Cardiff's not that big. If you think of the two streets... True, yeah. Would, yeah. Whereas the players go up now, if there's, there's people with their phones, you know... Mm. And everything's on social media. I mean, can you imagine if there was social media around the time we were all out? I wouldn't have been good. Thank God for that. Uh, I was going to say with Nathan Blake, when, when, when Nathan scored that goal against uh, Man City, I, I was in the box covering the game for Red Dragon. And when that goal went in, which is actually very similar to a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goal, actually, but it, it, the way he just, it was just a supreme strike. Mm. I just knew as soon as that went in, I think that's goodbye, Nathan. And at that time, there was the Players' Lounge, uh, was it John Charles Sweet? Maybe I might have been at that time. I can't remember. Yeah. And, and I, I went in there, and it's unusual for me because you, you know, you know how tight I am. I put a pipe behind the bar for Nathan. I knew, I knew he was gonna. And then the next game, uh, he was covering the match as a co-commentator with me on Red Dragon, and he couldn't be on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, and it was well, I, I've seen pictures of that goal still, you know, still frame. And if you look in the background, you see the Bob Bank, and you see me leaning over watching it like this. Yeah. I'd thrown the ball in from a throw-in. And I think it was on the back of the echo or something. Just as Nathan's curling it, you can see me in the background like trying to watch like that through the gap. Fantastic goal. But he would do that in training all the time. He was, you know, he was, he was a top lad and a great player. And, you know, he went on to have a really good career as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And um, I think, was it Mark Ruth saved the penalty in that game? Was that right? Thank he you. did, yeah, right yeah. in the end. Oh, it was unusual that he played in the game, wasn't it? Who, who was, who I was think because Gavin Ward might have been Yeah, top. that's right, yeah. Uh, and Keith Curl took the penalty, didn't he? Yes, yeah, in front of the Man City fans on the Grange, I think. That's right. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, and um, but that day was absolutely that was a fantastic day because I remember the game itself. Can't remember lots about the game. I can remember, you know, the goal. I can remember the save, the penalty save, and I just remember the atmosphere. I think it was on a Sunday or something. The atmosphere was unreal, you know, and then and the celebrations then later on and. Um, I had a celebrate. I was living actually in opposite one of the lads that works for um, Red Dragon, Jason Harold. He's a nice and, guy, uh, Jason, actually. And we had a party that night. The neighbours next door rang the police. So the police turned up, knocked on the door, and asked me to um, turn the music down. And I said, Oh, look, we're just celebrating. And the copper said to me, He said, I know, I was there today. <laughs> said, Brilliant. Just yeah. keep the noise down. Yeah. I said, no problem. So I went back in. Said, right, we need to keep, to keep the sound down. And it was Nicky Richardson and his, his wife at the time. He went, yeah, no problem. Turned it up again. So the police come back again. He knocked on the door, the same copper. And he went, Derek, he said, please. He said, you need to turn it down. The neighbours are going nuts. I said, okay. 
I tell you what, I said, can we have a half hour more of music? And he went, yeah, oh, just, you need to turn it down. So we ended up going next door to the neighbours and dragging them in. So they come in. So then we just turned it up there. It was, it was brilliant. And I remember the, the goal to save the fans and that celebration that night. Yeah. When you moved on from City, um, t- just talk us briefly through what, what, what way you went next and what happened towards the end. Well, I, I, I was going to go back to Ireland. I went yeah. back for 10 days with Shelburne and I had a phone call from Newport then and um, I had a couple of offers in China, Scotland but Newport, you know, I was 27 and I, I'd had a, my season at Cardiff that season I had a lot of injuries so I just thought maybe at the age of 27 what do I do? They put a proposal together for me to play and to do the coaching in the community for them so I took my C licence uh, B licence so I was I was captain there and I was there with, you know Graham Rogers Lyndon Jones Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, some great lads there. And uh, so I did that and I did the coaching football in the community. And that was in what, 1997? That was for two years. Went to football wise, I went to Inter Cardiff with George Wood, played in Europe, won the Welsh Cup, played in Europe. And then. Um, nice guy, George, went, by all accounts. Oh, no, I met him. Great, yeah. great fella. I took a penalty yeah. once against him at Ninian Park and Jason Perry's testimonial. One of the worst penalties that was ever been seen, apparently. What your penalty was? Yeah, my penalty was one of the worst I've ever seen. I did have a pair of shoes on there. I didn't have boots on. That's my excuse. Well, anyway, that's, that's an excuse. Plus, it's very daunting at Ninian. Was it Ninian Park? Yeah, it was Ninian. It was quite well attended as well. You, you must have been there for that testimonial with Jason. I, I guess. Was, yeah. He didn't yeah. ask to play in it, funny enough. No, he didn't. But Keith Cooper was the ref, wasn't he, I remember? Yeah, Keith. Yeah. No, I think no, he took no. a penalty as well, actually, in that game. He scored it. Did he score? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably worse for you. It's way worse. It's way worse than, worse, worse than you can imagine. I left, I left Newport then in 99 as a player to go to Haverford West, while also took over at Cardiff City in the football and community with Derek Clydesdale. So I went back in 99, two years later, to, to work in their community scheme. And I was there for four or five years. Uh, I played at Haverford West for two or three years as a player, then kind of stopped playing. Then I started playing for my local pub team, Caffini, the Court Rolling, up the Court Rolling FC, playing Sundays. I think I scored about 30 goals that season up front. So it all come round. And then um, a couple of management stints. So I was at Halford West for three or four years as a manager. Mm. Fantastic club. Obviously Bluebirds as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, when I was manager manager there, I got I signed some players. I had Lee Jarman playing for me. I had Tom Ramos. What a good player Lee Jarman was. Oh, great What player. a footballer for a centre. For a, for a Brilliant. So, so laid back, Lee. I yeah. Mean, should have um, done a lot better, shouldn't he, really? You mean, he he should have oh, done. Yeah. But he was just so laid back. I, that probably held him back a bit. Yeah. Damon Sale came and played for me as well. Uh, Tony Bird was obviously there and played a couple of times. And then um, I left there, had a little baby, and then I had a bit of a stint at Goitra then, uh, but that wasn't for me. And then the job came up at uh, Cardiff City as a match day ambassador with Gary Bell, Roger Gibbons, Damon Sale. Not a bad bunch, really. Not a bad bunch. There. They're, all, they're a lot older, though. When yeah, you of say, course, yeah. Look, Sale, he must be on. He must be having Botox. He must be in those crypto chambers. Have you seen him recently? I've seen him. I've seen him, yeah. He didn't look too bad. He has not aged, does he? No, he looks all right, yeah. Ridiculous. Every time I see him, he's like he's like a Lego man. Just doesn't age at all. It's just so yeah, I've worked down there now and obviously with everything going on, that's that's stopped. But I've been there seven, eight years now. What I had okay. there was a picture with you and Ava. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned about, you know, having a child and you you'd be pretty uh, pretty fond of Ava, aren't you, Derek? Oh, she's she's she was ten last Sunday. It's it's so hard at the moment, but I, I know everybody's going yeah, through of course you can't see, yeah. situations like mm. this, and 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 you know, mm. it, this, this, I've, had, I've had so much bad news recently from 
from people who've lost friends, family, and, and people who can't see their parents. Like you know, but Ava's Ava's she understands. I think she's. Yeah. Do you, you speak know, on I the phone a lot? I guess to you. Yeah. Well, she's typical now. She's a ten-year-old, and we try and FaceTime her, and then she'll get back to me like four hours later. Go, did you ring? <laughs> okay. I mean, she's, yeah. She's, yeah. She's not sporty at all. She's more of a bookworm. She's more Harry Potter, and I try to get her into sport, but but she's a clever little girl. She's she's, she's also got, a very very uh, very pretty uh, young lady too. Yeah. yeah well. Yeah. Well. I'd like to say she takes after me, but she probably takes after her mother. But yeah, so it's she's the apple of your eye, though, isn't she? Well, uh, yes, she is. But uh, you know, there's someone not far from me. Like, oh, of course, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, there are other, yeah, okay, <laughs> yes. There are other people in the room, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I was going to say about uh, on on a kind of more of a serious note, really. Um, I don't know. Did you have much to do with Jimmy Goodfellow in your time at City, or was that before your time? Yeah, I mean. Jimmy was, um, obviously Jimmy was the, the physio when I was there. So towards the end of my career at Cardiff City, I got to see him quite a lot. But Jimmy was always, he was, I mean, you had Jimmy, Harry Parsons, Eddie. Yeah, Buddy. Harry the Bucket. Oh, great, great. That was a great staff because Gibbo, Eddie, Harry and Jimmy were all different people. So they would bounce off each other. Jim, Jim was like, you know, the, the most time you'd see Jim would be obviously in the physio. Oh, what are you doing your rehab? And, um, you know, he he tell you days about when he played at Workington, uh, Rotherham, like yeah. that. And mm. um, he was great, Jim, because he was always positive. You know what I mean? And and, and he knew when you were a bit down because of an injury. Uh, but he, he's, you know, he. I remember the first time he got a machine. It was one of the the ultrasound where you put the gel on your leg and you put it in. The club had only got it. Now this is like before all this, and he was doing it on there, and he put it up too high. I nearly jumped off the roof. I said, Jim, do you know what you're doing? He said, well, I haven't looked at the instructions yet. I said, you mean instructions? He said, I haven't looked at them yet. Give us a look. I said, give us a look here. I said, Jim, you know, he's on five. He had it on ten. Oh, dear. He said, he said, I'm getting used to all this new fancy stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, um, he's quite, quite, quite uh, well, I would imagine, a very traditional, kind of stuck in his ways uh, kind of oh, character. He, he could be very cutting when he needed to be. Yeah. Very cutting. But then, that's football. I mean, Football is, a, you know, people call it banter and all that, but particularly young players as well. I, I mean, it was worse in my day. I was watching the, the class of 92, about Beckham and Giggs and Scholes and all them, and about all the initiation tests that went on. And, and it was make or break in them days for a kid. I mean, now they're obviously, you've got 17-year-olds, you know, who are they're made for like three or four years in terms of contracts, aren't they? Yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no worry for them. No. Did you spend? I can't remember. Did you spend time at Billier? No, I was I was there um, as a community officer. Okay. Because mm. I mean, Billy was one. Of, uh, I was I was really like uh, Billy as well because he was like, I mean, he'd, he'd wander around. He'd be like minus ten. You have a pair of shorts on. You know, hard as nails. Proper old school uh, character. And uh, yeah, yes. and of course Frankie Burrows. Um, Frank as well. Do you have much? Well, any, any thoughts on Frankie? Well, obviously he was my manager at Swansea when I was there for three months. Yeah. So when I was back there as a community officer, mm. he was the manager, and I was kind of dreading it because I thought, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because he, he mm. but he was pretty good with me, Frankie. He just said, look, he said we couldn't afford to pay it. Yeah, yeah. They probably couldn't afford to pay it and now. He said that was in 1999. So he was pretty good, Frankie. He'd always have a keep an eye out for me and stuff. And 
yeah i i've got a couple of frankie stories because i was i was cover, i was working for club call then i, I just had one, one of them but one of them's got a lot of bad language so we're not we'll go there as you that, i know that surprised you with frankie burris but um because in those days his office like was you know you know what the office was like in those days with the fridge in the corner and the clark's pies and the cans of cider and whatever and uh, i met frankie one day and it was it was his birthday yeah and i said oh well frankie um happy birthday thank you very much son what you doing in the players tunnel <laughs> Get on your way. <laughs> you now, was that a accent or was that Frank Burrow? I'm not sure. I can't do a Scottish accent. So I'll just, I'll just do that one instead. You yeah, know. It sounds like Sean Connery then. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll keep that as my I'll keep that as my Sean Connery. I have to mention Peter Whittingham. Yeah. I mean, how incredibly sad is that? It's just, I just couldn't get my head around that. You know. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, when I heard the news, it was. Um, it's, it's stuff like that is shocking because he's such a young Absolutely, man. Absolutely, yeah. You know, young man with a young family. Yeah. Um, and by all accounts, it's such a freak accident to happen. Obviously, we don't know the full story of, of, of what happened, so it wouldn't Probably be never right. will. Well, it wouldn't be right to actually. No, no. Win, but it's been a tough year in terms of, 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 of for Cardiff City with, you know, uh, with Salah, then you've got Peter Whittingham, Jimmy Goodfellow. You know, mm. it's it's such a sad, sad time in terms of of, of ex players or ex staff, and and really, I mean, it's. But it's, I think you know when when this coronavirus thing took over, it, it could it's, it could have swamped what happened to, to Peter Whittington. You know, I think mm. it's it's a crazy situation. This, I mean, I don't know how you're getting through all of this as stuck at home. I mean, what 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 have you been doing? I'm working from home, you know, I mean, I'm still sort of doing my daytime gig, you know, the university thing, but I'm also doing lots of stuff like this, which is yeah. a real pleasure, by the way. It's great to chat to you. But health-wise, I'm okay. My wife uh, works for the NHS, so she's out there every day, so that isn't ideal, but family-wise, we're okay. But I suppose everyone's going on their own journey through this, aren't they? Like, you, you know, you with Ava, you know, it's just a weird time. Yeah, I mean, my partner, Rona, she uh, took a job in Tesco's up the way, um, purely to help out um and obviously to to work yeah uh, with, with my situation um i've been going tr going around trying to see if people need shopping and stuff because i work in schools predominantly schools are, are closed so um and because i'm uh, zero contract hours basically i literally can't i can't go in and do anything so i'm, I'm stuck at home watching you know catching up I, I make phone calls to people i haven't spoke to in a while um I tried to still get involved with the homeless as well, uh, which I've done, you know, which I've been doing. But it's a lot more difficult now to to go yes. out on the streets yeah. of Cardiff to to deliver stuff, you know, because you know, obviously with the restrictions and um, and stuff like that, you know. So it's yeah. it's it's a scary time, isn't it? To be honest, and yeah, I hope it's I hope it's over what, soon. You know, I think people who you know, obviously your wife in the NHS and and all the key workers, they do an unbelievable job and. You know, and it's particularly you look at the NHS, and I, and you know, I don't want to be controversial here, but there's been so much money raised from charities, from Captain Tom Moore, to the the NHS. You know, probably in the region of what 100 million already. Do you something crazy, something crazy, a lot of money. Yeah. No, I'd love to know what the government are actually going to do with that. Me personally, mm. I'd say right, okay, mm. when this is over, every NHS worker double your money. That'd be nice. 
Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, obviously. No, I don't mean it that way at all. I mean, absolutely. No, what, I mean, that would be the right thing to do. Because I don't know where all this 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 charity yeah. money, hundred million plus, is going to go. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where it's going to go either. Uh, you'd like to think it would either go to maybe um, sort of maybe some sort of mental health uh, charity for NHS workers, you know, to, having to deal with so much stress and so much fear every day. That would be yeah. nice. You know, who knows? I mean, it must. Be, I mean, obviously, I don't know what's happened with your wife, but. I know a couple of people who work in hospitals in Landoc, and it's just become the norm to them now. And that's yeah. not, it's not right, is it? Mm. But, that, but I, I think, you know, they need to be looked after better because before all this happened, the NHS workers weren't looked after in any way. No. Nope. You know? Nope. But hopefully that they'll, the government mm. will see right. And I need to get out because I, I'm an outdoor person and I've watched so much Netflix and so much stuff on telly. Yeah. I mean, stuff I wouldn't even watch. I'm yes. watching... Like, I'm watching, I'm dying with me, far in the bed, people got people's, like, I mean, that's, that's not good. That's not good to get in, you know. Cookery, you, pro, mind you, cookery programmes. Yeah. So helping you with the cooking? Well, I burnt a pizza, did I? Oh, well done. I did put it on Facebook. It was horrendous. I only yeah. put it in 12 minutes, but after six minutes, it was burnt to a crisp. Yeah, that's not good. But uh, I did make me mad stew yesterday, Irish stew. Oh, well done. Oh, well done. I spoke to her on the phone, and uh, yeah. Gave me all the details about all, so I did it while I was on the phone, and I gave it to Rowan and my partner, and she said, "I said, what would you rate me, Stu? And she said, 10 out of ten." Way, but it's it, only six out of ten for mine. Is it? Is it as good as a as a, a kavama? You know, like the old Bulgarian stew. You know, it's a lot. It's not as thick. It's it's yeah. like more soupier type thing and all that. But I love oh, okay. You know, I love Bulgaria, don't you? Yes, yes, yes. And you love when I go there, don't you? I do, I do, yeah. But who knows? Not looking very likely this year, sadly. I don't think so. That, that's where I'm going to retire. And I've told you that, did I? Yeah, yeah. I'm myself, Rona. Once my yeah. daughter's 18, once Ava's 18, going to retire in Bulgaria. Well, like, I, I've got loads of people who, I know loads of people who obviously who live there. I can, I can yeah, maybe give you some advice on that if you, if you want it. But long, long way down the line, Derek. So, that's so, a lot where yeah, yeah. eight years, isn't it? Yeah. What, what you, so I'm going to ask you a couple of quick ones now. Firstly, um, yeah, let me ask you this one first on that subject. What, you know, I know you're doing, you're doing a range of different things at the moment. Obviously, what's going on at the moment is preventing that from happening. Have you got any existing ambitions, things you still want to do? Do you know what? I, I've done a lot of things in my career. And if you'd have asked me this question two months ago, I probably would have gave you the answer that you were looking for. But since this whole thing has happened, you know, my my ambitions have kind of changed. My ambitions are kind of more along the lines of staying healthy, my family healthy, seeing my family more, yeah. seeing my friends more, yeah. um, you know, and just make sure everything is 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 good for my for me, my family, and everything. In terms of ambitions, you know, professionally, I've done the management stint. I don't know whether I could do that again. And obviously, I've done the playing stint. I still play for Man United Legends now and again. Um, Best player on the pitch, apparently, I've heard. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, so professionally, I don't know. I would like to actually, believe it or not, I would like, like to get into radio. Well, I, I, I mean, if, if you're talking about the sports side of radio, sort of comedy, yeah. football stuff, yeah. I mean, Rob doesn't go back to me. Like, I rang him a few times. Yeah, yeah. Never got back to me. Well, I, you, know, you know I put a good word in for you. You always and, have. and you know, my good word is useless. You know, everyone ignores it. But but I, would, I would actually like to get into the, more into the media professionally. I would like on, to get into the media a lot more. 
Mm. The problem you've got sometimes is that there's so many ex-Welsh players now who do it. There aren't any with your accent, though, you know? Well, I don't know. I, I, I have been told my, my accent is a little bit Welsh lilty. <laughs> Possibly. I can't say I've noticed, but... Okay. No, it, it is. It's, it's very, I mean, I've been over here... God, I've been in Wales 24 years. No. Wow. Yeah. 20, oh, hang on. No, it's more than that. 28 years? Yeah. 92, 93. Yeah, sorry, 92, 93. But yeah, the media, the media would, would, would appeal to me. Long time ago. It would appeal to me. I, I honestly genuinely think you'd be great for it, you know. And um, just to say a couple of things without, without embarrassing you, which I mean g genuinely, um, I, I kind of really like your, your attitude to life and, and of course, your partner, Rona, and others. And the fact you do so much to give something back, which is lovely. I mean, even Christmas time, you know, you're out there, you're out, you're out there doing stuff. Um, and also, in terms of your uh, ability as a kind of pundit and a football man, whenever you've been on the phone in the Cow City phone, and you've always been a treat, you know, there's no, no doubt in my mind that you can you know, clearly do that. It's just getting an opening, I suppose. It is. I mean, I just need to mention as well that when we went out Christmas Day, obviously, I've got to say a big thank you, obviously, to, to, to Rona. Uh, her daughter Harriet, her boyfriend Reese, Eddie Roper, uh, Kieran Jones, uh, and Eddie's mate as well. They came out with us on that day, and um, they they spent what well, we spent four, five, six hours. You know, I mean, they give up their Christmas day as well. I mean, and and the, and the, the the hundreds of people who gave shoe boxes and still do. I've still got some stuff here that I've been given that it's difficult to get out. Um, but when the restrictions are eased off a bit, then hopefully we can. Go out. I know the Hugard are doing great work as well. Yes. Uh, for the homeless at the moment. So, but yeah, it's, it's and I enjoy doing it. And, and I like, you know, there for the grace of God go we all sometimes, Steve, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. On, on, on a lighter note, I'd like to, I'd like to end the interview by asking you about something which I think you're quite keen on. I'd like to a little, have a little insight into Derek Brazil's taste in music. Okay. So, um, tell me a little bit about you know what are your go-to options musically. I know I know I've, I know I've, you've heard to do a, an unbelievable rendition of Westlife songs, but uh, I, maybe there's maybe there's more to it than that. And I'd be quite interested. Well, I've always been a big Elvis fan. Always, always big Elvis fan. Um, but I've kind of, you know, I, my my music tastes are quite varied in terms of I like. The people like Eminem. Um, I like. I, I do like all that type of music. Um, but then I like. I like Michael Bublé. You know, I like Simply Red. I love Simply Red. I've been to see them a few times in concert. Um, so there's not one thing you. I'm more of a song person, to be honest. Okay, so let's talk about that now. So if you if you were doing a karaoke night um, tonight, you know. What song would you be doing? It wouldn't just be one. Okay, okay. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be back up two or three times. To be honest, I'd be. I'll have to base on the last time I did it. I did Three Little Boards by Bob Marley. That was that was went down well. I did Michael Bublé, which was um, which song was it? I can't remember one of them. And the other one would be probably <laughs> uh, an Elvis song, or get this one. This this will this will crack you up. The Arrested Development. Really? Whoa. Or Mr. Wendell or something like that. Everyday People. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That is 
That yeah. is a that's a difficult one to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't so, know whether you want to give us a few bars. Like do you want you know? Do you, could you give us a few bars now? I don't know. Could you get you know give us a flavour? Listen, I've only had a tea. I haven't even had a. It's not. It's not. Not Magnus o'clock yet. Okay. I can't. I can't. And to be honest, Rona reckons I'm a better backing singer. Really? I think she might be being diplomatic there, Derek. You know? No, I'm actually a very good. She sings a very good fever. My, I do the just the boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. See? Nice, nice. Yeah. I mean, it's I've done that in Spain a few times. It's revered all over the uh, Balearics. I'd imagine your duet in the L bar in, in, in Bulgaria would, would be a, a thing of beauty. <laughs> I remember it, it was his birthday the other day, wasn't it? Uh, Neil. Yeah, Neil. Yes. He's, yeah, yeah. But he's working in the Morris bar now. Yes, he gets he's, he travels yeah, around wow. Bulgaria. He speaks fluent Bulgarian, of course. No, yeah. He does. He does. Yeah. He teaches Bulgarian. He, he, t- he, he actually he works as a translator. Yeah. He's, he's still he's, a Portsmouth fan. He's still a Portsmouth fan. You know, you can't have everything. But no, um, and you you've got a lovely place over there. I might say. Well, I'm I'm just so really I'm really glad that you you enjoy going there. You know, who knows when yeah, we'll be able to go there next? It's great. It's uh, it's brilliant, and and we we were planning obviously to go out there in the summer and take Ava. Yeah. I don't know uh, what's going on. I mean, I'd love Ava. I'd love you to get Ava. She'd love that. Oh, pool, we, wouldn't she, she? She was all set to come, but yeah. Obviously, we don't know what's happening. We don't know. No. Bigger things to worry about at the moment, aren't they? Really, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. As long as everybody's safe and you know, and if people adhere to the actual rules. Yes. Then we'll be quicker out of this, but you see some Allens who just don't, and you yeah. just think, oh, a life, man. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, two quick ones to end with. Going back to the, that, that squad, who had the worst taste in music? Good question. Um, it's a hard one. There's so, so many uh, candidates, I'd imagine. Worst taste in music. If we had a stereo in there, it'd be Sarely had sorted out, or Blakey, or Nicky Richardson. The only way I can tell you is when we've had a night out, that someone would get up to dance to a certain song, then you'd know that person would have a terrible taste in music. And that was Chris Pike. He would get up and dance to the... We'll probably be in somewhere like, I don't know, say the bank or something like that, I don't know, on St Mary Street. And we'd be all chatting at the bar and all that. Someone would get up and dance stuff, chat at the bar, and then a certain song would come on. It might be Abba or it might be Howard Jones or something. And he'd get up and dance to it on his own. And I think... You weirdo. I just, so that's him, Chris Pike. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a long old interview, but it's been really lovely to talk to you. Good to see you looking well. And I haven't sworn once either. No, you've done well. You've done well. Looking back on those days now, would you have a comment or comments maybe for the Cardiff City fans about your time at Cardiff City Football Club? You know, I wonder what you'd say to the fans. Okay. I, I feel I was lucky. Um, I say lucky. I'd say I, I, I had the pleasure of being part of of that era of say 92 to 95, 94, those two years, you know, when mm. either side of that 93 team, I had the pleasure of playing with great players, playing in front of amazing fans, you know, whole man away. What sticks with me now is how genuine nowadays, you know, if I, if I go to the shop day to day, if I'm going somewhere, you know, before all this, if I go out, millions of people will come up to you and still remember you and talk about them days. And some of them are younger and probably weren't, they were only like about 12, 13, 14 then. And then you get the older generation who are so warm, you know, towards you that they were a part of it and you were a part of it. And I always look back at that, that 92, 93 season. It wasn't just us, say, 15, 16 players and, and the management staff that won that season. It was, you know, the 28,000 fans. They, we were all one big, big team. And it was just, 
it was a roller coaster ride and it was, it was something that we never wanted to get off. But then the way people are still about it today and, and the amount of people you meet, they just they talk about it and it brings brings back happy memories. And I've only got happy memories about that. And it was, you know, honoured to be part of the team and the fans in them days. That's lovely, Derek. I mean, looking back again, um, I think we went up again in 82, 83. That's why I confused the two. But not, th- th- those times, I'd say my connection with the club and sitting in the, in the PA box and dear Phil Suarez and people like that. And, you know, I've got, I've got really fond memories of that time. And it's nice to hear from you as a player that you also uh, was, was special for you. Um, Derek, I wish you well for uh, at the current time and maybe come through this quickly and safely and uh, you know, best health to you and, and your family. Um, and thanks very much for chatting to me. And it's been a real pleasure. Listen, thank you for inviting me on. Hopefully I'll see you for a pint soon. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be I've nice. got to go and do my fitness workout I think now. It's your, I think it's your round, Derek, but there we go. Probably is. That's fine again. Diolch am rando i YYFM. Am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddiliniad lein ac i arael ni wybod beth offech chi gwybod nesaf, ewch chi, it's yyfm.com. Thanks for listening to YYFM. For more content like this, to follow us online, and to tell us what you want to hear more of, visit itsyyfm.com.